0: And this is Wikipedia, where I sit down and chat to doctors, professors, athletes, practitioners, and experts in their fields related to health, nutrition, fitness and well-being. And I'm delighted that you're here. Hello everyone. Hope you are having a fabulous week. Mickey here, you're listening to Wikipedia, as you know. And I am excited to bring to you a conversation today with my mate, Mel Law. Now, anyone in the trail running scene will know that Mel needs no introduction. He is a regular on one of my favorite podcasts, Dirt Church Radio. He is the founder of Wild Things, an online running community, which is an awesome Facebook group. The VIP group, in addition, has access to a directory of runs all around New Zealand, giving reviews, giving kind of trail updates and and all the rest of it. And it is really all about community, wild things. And that is a lot of what Mel and I talk about today on the show. Also, The Wild, a new Myla event taking place November 2022, of which Mel and I have a bit of a chat about. And also, we go over Mal's background, how he has developed his love of running into something where he's been able to give back. So people will be well familiar with all of his work in fundraising for mental health. And of course, his high five-oh challenge where he set out to run 50 mountain marathons over 50 peaks in just 50 days where he managed to exceed his initial $250,000 fundraising goal for mental health to be able to get over $500,000 which is absolutely amazing and Mel has done so much more than that. He is an advocate for running, he's an advocate for mental health and he's an advocate for community and he spends much of his time being able to bring all of these things together. We talk a lot about all of this and more including how we sort of got into it in this talk today. Alright team, you will find links to everything that we talk about in the show notes for today's episode. Enjoy this conversation that I have with Mal Law, The Original Wild Thing. Kia ora Mal, how's your Sunday afternoon going?
1: Oh, very well. Thanks, Mickey. It's lovely to uh, take a bit of time out and have a chat with you. Looking forward to it.
0: Well, do you know what? I would have asked you had you been on an awesome run in Wanaka today over the hills and the mountains. But I do know when we we sent a couple of texts uh, late last week, you were sitting in the fork and tap and you said, <laughs> mate, I've just finished a five day fast pack of the wild course. So I yeah, imagine a bit of recovery finally. has been taking
1: place. Uh, yeah, I had a couple of days off. I did manage to get up a mountain this morning there. So,
2: um,
1: oh. but actually, you know what? My body is feeling fantastic. <laughs> it's quite oh. an unusual. It's quite an unusual thing. But yeah, you know, that, that, that five day fast pack, um, just some low intensity long days carrying a bit of weight. There's nothing like it for uh, for conditioning.
0: Mm. it's awesome actually and you know that I think it would fit well into that zone two training which we understand more and more is not only building a great foundation with which we can build fitness from but actually from an overall health and longevity perspective is where we really should be focusing our attention Mel so I mean you are basically ticking the boxes in all the right ways
1: (laughs) well that's good to know thanks coach
0: <laughs> you're welcome. You hey, know, so Mel, you know, I really am so thrilled to be able to speak to you today because you know you are an adventurer, you're a storyteller, and you're a fundraiser, and you, I think, over the years has raised more money for different charities than pretty much anyone that I could name and it's all kind of it's done on the foundation of doing what you really love which is kind of being out there exploring in the mountains running out in nature not all the time I know there were some roads involved as well but um, not
1: often not often Nikki you won't won't (laughs) find many you won't find many roads in there
0: (laughs) Um, so, uh, first of all, Mal, can you kind of give us a bit of your background and, and, you know, how did you get into this whole running thing? Or is that just, yeah, how did that all kind of come about?
1: Oh, blimey, how how long a history do you want? I mean, I've got a lot of history, given how old I am. Um, I guess I've you know, I've been running in one form or another most of my life. Um, I was a weird kid at school that actually enjoyed cross-country running. Um, but it really wasn't a cool thing to do when you grew up in in Liverpool,
2: <laughs>
1: and um, so I also got quite good at running away from the people that wanted to beat me up for liking cross country running. Um, and then I did a couple of half marathons on the road during my twenties, but I was generally more interested in other things like beer and um, yeah, trying to chat up women unsuccessfully. All the all the things that you generally do in the in your twenties um and then in my uh, uh i started to get into i suppose my uh out, love of the outdoors it was it was instilled in me by my dad originally but i re- you know mm. like most kids i rebelled and didn't didn't take it up until my late 20s um when i started getting into doing some um hill walking which was my dad's first love, and then I moved to New Zealand, and it was a pivotal moment when, at the end of my first year in New Zealand, I went tramping in the Nelson Lakes, oh. um, and it was the first time I'd ever done an overnight uh, hike of any kind. I'd only, I'd only ever done day hikes up until that point, and it was just like, you know, the lights went on, and it was like, oh my god, it was, <laughs> I had no idea you could, this kind of thing existed, um, and it was, a, yeah, it was a, it was a Love it started a love affair with the outdoors. It was um and it was what basically has kept me in New Zealand because I was on a one year working visa at that point. And thirty four years later, uh, I'm still here. Um, so yeah, that was a, quite a transformational experience. So yeah, for years I did a lot of uh I did a lot of tramping, uh quite a lot of recreational mountain biking in, in the very early days on steel frame bikes with no, no suspension. Um and it in my mid-30s, I discovered multi-sport um, mm. and started doing uh, multi-sport races, culminating in the like, a couple of coast-to-coasts and, and the likes. Um, so that, that was my big passion for about 10 years, and that's when I first, I guess, started running on trails as opposed to walking trails or running on roads.
0: Was it the speed of the mountain biking made you realise that walking was great, but actually running would be a bit quicker?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I did both for a long time, I'm and I still occasionally jump on a bike, but not very often these days. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love But In fact, I, I would say back in those days, my first love was probably mountain biking, actually. Mm. Um, and, and just little by little, the balance has changed, um, and obviously, in the last 10, 11 years, it's been pretty much all about running. So,
2: yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: So, Mel, you know, if I look over, you know, some of the things that you've achieved from that, um, I suppose let's, I want to start with your fundraising, if that's all right. You know, at what point in time did you realise that your love of the outdoors and being out there walking, running could be used as a vehicle to raise money for some of these charities like the um, Leukemia and also, of course, Mental Health New Zealand? So, when did that light bulb kind of go off for you?
2: I
1: think it had always been in the back of my mind to do something. Um, uh, yeah, to, yeah. I mean, way back when I, when I first left university at the tender age of twenty-one, I actually rode my Rover road bike from London to Lisbon hmm. um, over over three weeks and raised—I don't know—hundred quid or something. <laughs> it might have been for for the, for the leukemia charity in, in in the UK. So that was the very first fundraiser I did. And I think ever since then, I always kind of thought one day I'll do more of that. Yeah. And then, yeah, you know, the idea of doing the se- that's doing seven great walks in seven days came to me in 2008. Mm-hmm. And it was a pretty natural choice of, of charity um, because my brother died of leukaemia and um, I'd always said I wanted to do some more in that space. So I guess what I never expected was to become uh, a fundraiser on the scale that I've have become or did become. Um, you know, I started off with a fairly modest goal for that seven in seven. And then I guess I just realized that um with a bit of creative thinking, um, you can multiply the efforts of one person for Recruit a team of people around you and get them to assist with the fundraising. So I've used that 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 pyramid selling <laughs> model for, for fundraising ever since, really.
0: And what is it um, with with if I think about the seven and seven, like at the time you were working full time in addition to training and and doing that, um, the and, and doing the kind of groundwork to set up seven and seven.
1: I just actually just I just finished doing like a three year stint of um, working for a multinational, doing lots and lots and lots and lots of travel, and was completely burnt out on that. So the original idea was that I'd take the summer off Mm. uh, and just regroup and have a bit of time in the wilderness to find my soul again and it was on the very first tramp i did that the idea of the 7 and 7 came and i then realized that hey if i'm going to do this justice i actually i pretty much turned it into a full time job because it was well unpaid job a mm-hmm. full time occupation because there's so much to organize the way of logistics sponsorship fundraising publicity and training because I was, my 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 base fitness was lower than it had been in 20 years when i when i came up with the idea so um, I had to get myself back into some semblance of uh, of fitness. So I didn't have to juggle it with a full-time job now. Yeah. But um, yeah. I made it one instead.
0: Yeah. So Mel, I really want to know what's involved in setting up a campaign like that. Because, you know, there are, you know, the most recent one I can think of is Brooke Thomas, who went mm-hmm. from, you know, Cape Ranger to the Bluff and like an amazing effort to run the length of New Zealand. But and, and raise in a, in a significant a amount time. of money. I know, crazy, right? Um, yeah. But not everyone is successful with this. So what is it, that what goes into a campaign? And I, and you've had multiple t- opportunities now to kind of have a bit of a formula and I'm going to say get it right. Not that I'm suggesting it's 100%, but yeah. I mean, it might well be. What is it that you can do that makes it successful?
1: You can't build a house on Rocky on rocky Foundation. Mm. On, on, you can't, um you, so the, And to me, the foundation of any successful fundraising campaign has to be that you're doing it for a cause that genuinely matters to you, that you truly empathize with and have a story to tell around. I mean, Brooke's story was fantastic. Now, she had a heart condition as a kid. She, She was given a pacemaker, she was raising money for Heart Kids. There was a coherent story to tell there about why that charity mattered to her and why she wanted to raise money. And, you know, likewise, my fundraising efforts have have come around to personal tragedies in my life, the death of my brother when I was a a wee nipper uh, from leukemia, which is why I raised money for that cause, and uh, the death of my brother-in-law who took his own life, um, Mm. uh, which... Raise the possibility of of, um, raising funds for for a mental health course, Uh, and combined with my own periodic struggles with um, oh yeah yeah I I get depressed (laughs) Mm. (laughs) from time to time, and um, but the 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 thing that um, I think has really worked well in the mental health space as well is that not only not only have I got a, a genuine story to tell about why it matters to me and why I care, but the nature of the challenge that I'm I'm undertaking fits very nicely with the cause that I'm raising money for. There there is, without a shadow of a doubt, as most runners will tell you, very great therapeutic benefits to to running um, in terms of maintaining mental well-being. So Mm. when when there is a, a connection between the activity and the cause, and there's a genuine reason for wanting to support that cause. I think they're the foundations for a successful campaign and I think the other thing I learned early on is you go into these things with very unreal expectations about how easy it is going to be to open people's purse strings and wallets um, and you know you naively think if you put up a couple of posts on Facebook that people will think, "Oh, that's cool and." Like, yeah, There's so much competition for people's time and money. Mm. And one lesson I learnt very early on in the seven and seven, we had I had there was one week where I had articles. I thought it, you know I went did all the mainstream media stuff. I had an article appear. I think it was in the Sunday Times, Women's Weekly, and Wilderness Magazine. Something like like three big titles mm. in one week, and it coincided with the weakest week of fundraising that I had. It. At that point, I was like, huh. I, you know, "I was expecting to see, I was expecting to see thousands of dollars pouring in, and nothing happened." Oh. And that's when I kind of realised that you know the people who are going to give you money are the people who know you. Yeah. And if they don't know you, they've got to feel like they know you. Yeah. So that's when I really started doing a lot more shying away so much from doing mainstream media interviews, and just started blogging on on, on my own, telling the stories as I went. And people would get those on a regular basis. And little by little, they kind of, even if they'd never met me, they kind of got to feel like they did know me. Mm. And ultimately, a lot of those people would donate at some point. Yeah. So there's no silver bullet. It's a, it's a long, hard struggle to build up that kind of rapport with an audience and um, get them to the point where they know you trust you and feel like they want to support you financially
0: yeah. so, Mel, so that's the, some of my learnings yeah <laughs> no that's great and you know if i think like you've done some amazing things like the seven and seven and you did it twice
1: didn't you did it like
0: did it once? And yeah i did
1: a I, I did i did a second version of it on on different trails yeah
0: yeah yeah, yeah. and then you did the high five oh challenge then there was the yes. coast path run two thousand and twelve and
1: yes around the southwest coast path of u k
0: that's right, and so all along the way, as you were kind of like these were in what I would say kind of fairly quick succession really, like from a fitness perspective and from a running perspective, what was some of the challenges in and around keeping yourself in a position to be able to do what you wanted to do around that and I say quick succession, I mean it was over a number of years, but
2: yeah like, yeah.
0: Like quite demanding, I suppose.
2: I
1: mean, the hardest lesson to learn at the outset was I mean, I'd always, what the running I'd done, I had done uh, competitively. And yeah. when I, you know, <laughs> let's, let's just qualify this I'm not an, not anything like an elite athlete, yeah. but you know, I was a mid pack runner with ambitions of you know, trying to do as well as I could every time I put a number on. So, you know, I, I was in the habit of running as fast as I could, um, as much as I could. And I soon realized that when you're preparing for something like seven great walks in seven days, <laughs> you're probably you're pretty going to come start fairly fast if all your training is based around that kind of approach, if yeah. you try and take that approach to, during the week of the challenge itself. So okay. the hardest lesson I had to learn at the start was to slow down. I had mm. the, the fine art of running slowly. I think I ended up calling it. And it was a hard lesson to learn. And I could I still remember being out in my old stomping ground, the Y-Tex, back in the good old days when it was all uh mud and not uh, gravel and stairs. And I, I'd I'd be uh walking walking up a hill and I'd see people coming the other way and I'd immediately break into a run because I didn't want to be seen walking. Um no such qualms these days. I can't run up hills anyway. So um yeah that was that was a hard lesson to learn. So I th- and I, what I what I then discovered was that if I did just back off the intensity a little, and I and I, I, I back in those days I was probably still a bit more scientific about my running, so I set myself an absolute maximum heart rate that I would not go above. I think it was 155, yeah. something like that.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and all my training was based around never going above that. Yeah. And I soon found that if I didn't do the intensity. I could go long and, I, and with good sleep and good food, I could recover very quickly and I could do another five-hour session the next day and another five-hour the day after. So that was for a long time, I think, my key strength was the ability to recover. But it was built around the fact that I could um be sensible about my speed. Yeah, 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 for sure. That's <laughs> flattering way to put it.
0: Oh, no, and that not that a lesson that we all tend to learn the older we get in the sport of running, mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah, it's so easy to kind of go too hard, too fast, and then spend too long kind of recovering that. Right now, we're doing a training program, just a bit of a tangent, which incorporates about four sessions per week on some weeks, like four actual sessions mm-hmm. and amongst other like recovery runs and stuff like that. And we just did a run this morning and I said to Baz, babes, I just think that this program that we're following is probably probably about five or seven years too old for this program. Like surely it's just too much intensity, yeah. you know, like, cause it is, it's that real groundwork. Like, like we were talking about earlier, the zone two stuff. And that sounds to me like that at your kind of one you're really building that strength and building that endurance base because you need it for what you were doing.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, it's, it, it works for that kind of multi-day challenge. It works for ultra running. Um, obviously, you know, the approach you take is very much depend on what kind of running you're doing. I mean, if you're, if you're, if you're training for the exterior series in Auckland, and you're trying to go really hard for two hours to kick off the long course, different kind of training yeah. is required. So, you know, quali- qualify that. I was, I've, 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 I've always, one of the very first lessons I learned through multi-sport and being, having a little bit of, um, a little bit of input from, um, from John Ackland, um, back in the early days. Yeah. Uh, he always used to preach specificity, yeah. and you you build your training very specifically around what the event is that you're training for. Yeah. Um, so if it's if it's got a lot of hills, you do a lot of hills. If it's got a lot of rough ground, you do a lot of rough ground. So I've, that's the probably one lesson from my early uh, early days that I really hold on to um, as well. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Nice. So when you dreamed up your first seven and seven challenge. How did Sally respond? Oh,
2: look,
1: I've told her story before, but I can't resist telling it again. So the idea came to me while I was on a um, six-day tramp across the and Kaweka Ranges. And um, it came to me on the first day, and I had all this time to just contemplate it. And I came out the other end, and it was probably, I was really excited about it, but it was Two or three weeks later I hadn't actually bucked up the courage to tell Sal about it she'd um, heard a lot of ideas from me already by that stage and a lot of them kind of just faded off into into nothing so it's like i got to be a little bit more certain I really intend to go through on this one before I share it and then my, my hand was <laughs> my hand was forced. <laughs> Because she gave me a gave me an early Christmas present, and um, when I opened it, it was a copy of the Dean Karnazes book, um, mm-hmm. the story of him running fifty marathons in fifty states in fifty days. And attached to the front cover of the book was a little yellow post-it note saying, "For information only, don't go getting any ideas." <laughs> uh. <laughs> and and so I immediately had to um, had to front up and. Um, confess that i'd had a rather silly idea um how did she react just brilliantly she went wow if that's what you want to do that's awesome um tell me how i can help and she was as she has been in every one of my endeavors uh, an absolute star wars, an absolute rock and um yeah very very lucky to, to to have um have her support and her love in my life yeah it's amazing
0: yeah, it, it, that is truly amazing. And certainly, you know, what they say is behind every successful man is a super awesome, even more successful, very well organised <laughs> woman, right? Or something like that. That's how it yeah. runs in our house. Anyway. Yeah, and, she,
1: and and she is the organised one, yeah.
0: Yeah. So, Mel, from your kind of inception of the idea, how many months until it actually came to fruition?
1: It was a year, it was a full year. Um, and probably the first few months were uh not terribly intense. It was um <laughs> I had to do some basic research. First of all, find out what the Great Walks actually were. I knew <laughs> I think I knew for sure that I think I knew for sure the Rootburn burn was and the Milford was. I wasn't quite sure what the other ones were. Um yeah. and then and then I had a couple of uh multi sport and mountain biking things to get out of the way. Uh once they were out of the way it was a case of um, really starting to ramp up the, the training on foot. Um, yeah, I was starting from a very, very low base of running fitness, so I was going from yeah, pretty much, pretty much zero running fitness to um, to having to yeah, you know, be ready to do three hundred and sixty kilometers in a week. Yeah,
0: amazing. And it's like, and this is a question for I guess any of the challenges really that you've done, like. Is there, are there moments where you think I'm not going to be able to get this off the ground, you know, and not just in terms of your own physical ability to do it, but just to have everything kind of full, doesn't all fall together. Obviously it's very well organized, but, you know, from a fundraising perspective, from getting the people you need to be at to, to be doing what you need them to be doing. Like were there moments where you, you were like, my goodness, you know, this is just not going to come together.
1: I don't think I've ever reached that point where I thought, this isn't going to work um I, I, I have a lot of ideas, Mickey, as I've mentioned already, and you know Sal is my sieve gee, gee. <laughs> um she will she will listen to ideas and she says "I don't really start taking anything serious until you've mentioned it five or six times, and then I know you're you are you are serious about it
2: yeah
1: um so once I get to that stage, nothing is gonna stop me, so yeah. I have. <laughs> have a pretty have a pretty stubborn streak um and once i'm committed i' i will see it through so I don't think I've ever sort of despaired that no it's not gonna happen i have most definitely despaired as to how the, i'm gonna make it happen yeah um and I have put myself into some very stressful uh situations i've had yeah i've had i've had minor Minor breakdowns because I've just um, taken on way too much and just cannot cope and every now and again um, particularly during the the organization for the high five o which yeah. was massive 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 logistical uh jigsaw pulling together a uh, seven week tour around the country with 300 plus support runners and (laughs) the the logistics are ridiculous and I think there was a couple of times during that where I had major um well uh yeah I just broke down for days at a time and just couldn't was, was incapable of doing anything and just had to basically learn to be kind to myself and just give myself time to get back on track and find my mojo again and start all over but even 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 in the depths of of that stuff I never I, I don't think I ever said this isn't going to happen
0: yeah yeah
1: I was never tempted to give up on them now
0: yeah that's amazing now and with your challenges did you ever reach the end of any of them and go okay that's it that I've done or actually <laughs> or is it like a race you know you get to the end of a race and you're every like, single
1: w- that's yeah, it yeah. and
0: then a day later it's yeah. like right what's next
1: yeah no pretty much i think every single one i i i would have said that yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it is it's and then a week later you 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 find yourself scheming about what the next one is
2: yeah
1: and yeah um yeah. I mean, it's it's such a love affair with it's um it's very yeah very hard to give up and am still you know I think I probably am now genuinely done with multi day big uh adventure fundraising. Um, because I've had, I just have to recognise that my body's not got the ability to recover the way it used to. I've compromised it, I think, um, too much now. Um, but that still doesn't that doesn't stop me still dreaming and scheming and finding myself wanting to do these things. I just have to um, find other ways to raise that money. I'm 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 forty thousand dollars shy of raising a million dollars across them all.
2: And it's
1: like, I've, 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 got, I've, got, I've, got I've got to find a way somehow to do that without, without breaking myself physically. I don't know what it is. We'll come up with something one day.
0: I think uh, so. Like, and now that you've actually kind of said that, I'm sure that someone listening to this might have an idea in their head. And they can like contact you and then together you can kind of scheme something right.
1: Yeah. Ideally. We'll, we'll, we'll find a way. Yeah, yeah. We'll find a way.
0: And you know what, Mel, like you've just been such an inspiration to the trail running community, more than the trail running community, but, you know, particularly you've really highlighted a sport and just an activity that so many of us absolutely love and we've found a lot of inspiration in obviously what you've done. And, you know, from that kind of genesis, if you like, of that fundraising and doing your amazing challenges, you were able to then build a community and, you started Wild Things, what was it, so at what point I suppose in your journey did you think hey I can bring these people together to be part of something a little bit bigger than what they might already be a part
2: of?
1: Actually it's quite, yeah it's quite a clear period of time where the um, the idea for Wild Things came together in my mind Um, and it would have been during the Uh, early part of 2016 Mm. so what do we now yeah exactly five years ago so following the high five oh I uh, I went into the high five oh I think already on the verge of some kind of fatigue Mm. just just from the stress of trying to bring the thing together and and the physical training required and then I went and did you know 50 mountains in 50 days and Mm -hmm. ran myself ragged um without realizing it I was in a deep chronic fatigue for yeah. twelve months afterwards, and then um, twelve months on uh, denying it to myself and ignoring the advice of all my friends, it just came to a crashing halt, and I just literally collapsed mid-run Mate. and could barely put one foot in front of the other. Went to my GP, and my GP said, <laughs> "Yep, you know why you've got chronic fatigue, don't you, Mal?" Um, and he basically ordered me to just go cold turkey and, and and complete. I had to do a complete reset. So I went four months without running.
0: Wow, Mel. When your doctor gave you that diagnosis of chronic fatigue, and um, you actually realised that that there was no other option but to take your foot off the accelerator in a big way, how did you feel?
1: Oh, I was I was devastated. Yeah. I was. Um, because it had become it had become my life i mean doing these challenges uh, had become my life dangerously so mm. in in retrospect you know it was, it was it, i was i was pretty obsessive about it um so it's probably no wonder that it resulted in you know it, it, in the diagnosis that it eventually did um but it's really interesting Nicky because you you come to realize just how much your sense your own sense of identity and your own sense of self-worth is caught up in that. So I have come to think of myself as this unbreakable runner. Mm. Uh, my, my strength was, as I've mentioned earlier, I think, being able to recover from day to day and just mm. do things day after day. Um, and through that, derive a lot of pleasure and then have the reward of being it Put to a good cause and you know raising money and 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 as we did through the high five, I know we literally saved lives through doing that, and that's a massively rewarding thing. Mm. So to then be told you've done too much of that, you can't do it anymore, and it wasn't it wasn't a it wasn't initially it was wasn't initially a take three months off. It was a you've got to permanently change your lifestyle Mm. kind of diagnosis from from the GP. Um which he later backed down on a little, saying what you've got to realize now is that there's a decent percentage of uh, people who have chronic fatigue who never recover, mm. uh, and you could be one of those. But I think you've got a better than average chance of recovering because we can at least clearly identify what the what the triggers were what the, the, that have led to yours. But you do need to have a change of lifestyle. And you do need to learn, <laughs> you do need to learn to take some more time out physically, mentally, emotionally. Okay. Um, so, you know, I wasn't sure if I'd ever be able to run long distance again. I wasn't sure if I'd ever do another multi day adventure. Um, and that was devastating, Nikki absolutely mm. devastating. Um, yeah, I was losing a, a way of life and I was losing a. Uh, my self-identity and my sense of self-worth with it. So,
2: yeah, it was uh,
1: a horrible, horrible, horrible four to six months and I wouldn't wish it on anyone. Um, So take care of yourselves, people.
0: Was it hard for those around you as well?
1: (laughs) (laughs) You better ask that, I know. (laughs) Um, I actually, I like to think I dealt with it an awful lot better than I expected I would, I think. So I would probably say the same. Yeah. I'm sure I have my grumpy, grumpy moments. Um, I'm not the easiest person in the world to live with. You might be surprised to hear. Um, and, you know, being forced into a position where I couldn't do any exercises, not likely to make me any better humoured. Um, I knew I had to do it if I ever wanted to do it. I had to take the time out if I ever wanted to do this stuff again. Yeah. And I... Recognise this was my body's way of telling me you didn't listen. So (laughs) we told you time and time again, and you did not listen. So this time we're going to make sure you bloody well listen because you've got no choice. And yeah, I I, so I listened. Yeah. And I 90% recovered. I'm still more susceptible. to I, I know what the warning signs are. I can see them coming. And I know when to back off. Yeah. So I have had to learn some new skills um, and become a bit more self-aware and live with the fact that yeah, you know, I'm not going to go and do another 50 peaks and 50 days.
2: Mm. Inter-
1: but I'm I'm at peace with that.
0: Yeah. Do you know it's interesting, Mel, because potentially had your doctor given you the like a different prognosis as in this is how you feel now, but you it, it might be alright. You potentially wouldn't have had the real impetus to stop. You know, like because we're mm. runners, we're very good at reading between the lines. At oh, testing. totally. We hear what we want to hear. Oh, don't totally, we? all the time. And <laughs> I can totally appreciate what you mean. Being devastated, like I get devastated when my calf gets tight. I'm like, oh my god, yeah. I'll never run again. <laughs> well, I'm running again, like yeah. the next day. But you know, it's just that, yeah. that that's how we're built, really, isn't it? It's how we're
2: wired. Yeah yeah the funny
1: the funny the funny thing through all that was um which just shows you how my mind works, and you know um i I came up with the idea while I couldn't run of turning not running into a fundraiser <laughs> <laughs> I am not going to run. I am not going to run for a hundred days. Sponsor me, not to run for a hundred days. I raised about seven thousand. I raised about seven thousand dollars by not running for a hundred days.
2: Mate, that's amazing.
0: Think of all of the people no. out there that could be fundraising right now from sitting on their
2: couch doing nothing. Yeah.
1: And and this is how I mean, all my best ideas, all my all my ideas, uh, and lots of people will understand this, come when I'm out walking or running. Yeah. Um, I don't know the, the the creative juices flow when I'm when I'm out out there doing something. So I have anyway for quite a long time. What uh, the original idea wasn't so much about building a community. That wasn't really um, conscious, consciously the motivation at, at the outset. Um, but I guess I, I come from this I come from this background in the UK where people collect peaks. We're called it's peak bagging. People go and they want to, and they try and climb all the peaks in Scotland or the try, you know, the, all the all the peaks in, in in the UK. So this whole culture around peak bagging that I'd grew grown up with was kind of part of. And I'd always liked the idea of trying to do for peak bagging, uh, for trying to do the equivalent for peak bagging, but with trails mm. and turn trails into a collectible item, and give people the means and the encouragement to start collecting runs, um, and through that, encouraging people to explore uh, this beautiful country of ours, to, um, to, to fall in love with, with, with trail running. So it was while I was going through this period of chronic fatigue, and I was, I was having some beautiful walk just down on the shores of Lake Wanaka each morning with the dog um, who was giving me some brilliant tips and <laughs> mindfulness and living in the moment as we went. And you know, I was I was trying not to think about anything. I was under I was under strict orders not to be thinking about anything. But this idea just kept going round and round and it just the the healthier I got, the louder the voice got inside me it's to the point where it's like, I've got to do something with this. And then so I started then looking at well, what would it take to build a website so we could have this trail directory on there. Um, And I soon realized that it was going to take um, a lot of work and a lot of money Mm. to actually build a website that could do what I, that would fulfill my vision. So then it really became a, became a mandatory that I build a community around it because somehow we had to monetize it in order to pay the bill for the web development.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, And so that's really when the idea of, well, maybe, maybe it's not just about having a resource maybe it's about having a a community a club that we build around that resource um and you know if we give them enough inspiration enough information uh enough ideas maybe people would even pay for it and that's great because then we've got some money in the pot and we can just keep doing more and more and more with that money which is beautifully how it's worked out yes. <laughs> just like that's... that
2: yeah yeah just like that <laughs> just like that yeah
0: that's amazing because do you know what it, it's a um I was thinking about it, you know, the trail running community and you know, there are little hubs, you know, you've got like up here in Auckland you had the Waitakere Bush runners, you had the Huia runners, you've you know yeah. you've got things like that. And and they're they're like littered across New Zealand and of course other countries as well. But nothing a hundred it's not formalized as such and You know, you're you're part of a small community, whereas it feels like with road running, there is definitely much more of an avenue for that community in terms of the Harriers Club, you know, that's
1: there, there. summer,
0: winter, and, you know, it's just kind of part of, like, what you do and who you are. And I, you know, to be, like, part of the Wild Things community kind of brings you to be part of a much more global kind of um, uh, group, if you like, and there's a lot of that camaraderie there's a lot of kind of shared experience even though it's you know it's essentially it can be a really solo activity and particularly in light of the last year with covid where we've had these periods of time where we've been unable to go out and actually run with our mates we can still have those same conversations and same shared experiences virtually but because of the likes of the wild things running group which is brilliant
1: yeah and i did you know i did when i started thinking, well, we need to build a community around this idea. Um, that was one of the first things I realized is that it's very fragmented around the country, that there are little Facebook groups all over the place. But there was nothing there was no there was no centralized hub for having conversations about programming.
2: Yeah.
1: And I know from, you know, having run training camps and, and the likes in the past that one thing trail runners love is to talk about trail running. Oh yeah. You know, they come along to camp they come along to camp for a weekend, like, Oh, it's been so great. I can just I can just talk about this stuff all weekend and no one thinks I'm weird. If I do this at home, everyone just kinda of like rolls their eyes and walks away. Yeah, yeah. So it's like yeah, you know, there's a real role for a chat room.
2: Yeah. Which
1: is essentially what what the Facebook group is, where people can just share and ask questions and get answers and And ask why? You know, ask where's the best sealed jacket (laughs) like that 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 have been asked a hundred times on the group. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: But (laughs) you were always going to ask it, Mel. And it's more than the Facebook group, as you mentioned, training camps, because that's something else that you've you've kind of gotten off the ground in the last few years, haven't you? Like training experiences and race packages and things like that for people to to come, kind of share a few days with you and other runners, either before a race or in the build-up to a race? Like, what are the logistics in and around
2: that?
1: Uh, They can be quite logistically hard as well. Um, I mean, the the first ones we ever – actually, the first ones I ever did was when when we were still living in Auckland and we had a a little batch out in the Witex and I just organised some informal weekends. Um, you know, we did the home. We invited half a dozen people out to the batch for a weekend, yeah. cooked them some home cooked food, and took them the trail running in the white Axe. And it was all completely legal and under <laughs> under, and under the radar. We had no permits or anything. But I hope no one from DOC is listening. Um, and then we started. Then we then we started doing some camp for the the, the Tarawera race. That's um, right. Well, we hired out the the outdoor education centre and had fifty, sixty people turn up and
2: Amazing. spend
1: the weekend doing this stuff. Yeah, so I mean, they were a lot of fun. And then I guess, and and we also started doing trail running tours. So we organised our first week long top of the South tour back in I think two thousand and twelve. Oh wow! Um, and really, you know, we we had three or four tours that we did over three or four years, and always really struggled to get the numbers. And I think we were just a little bit ahead of the head of the game head of the market in that one, and then those things kind of and we started doing trips to events like shot over moonlight and and, and August ghost um as well but those things largely went on a on a back burner once we started getting into the online world and building the whole wild things experience for people and it was only really last year it was a it was the covid revelation i think uh for us was the Hey, it's great that we've got a platform built that gives people a sense of belonging and a a community to share their passions with, but I'm really missing face to face interaction <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you know we 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 started up tours again we we do you know we've got a couple of tours that we do each year um a couple of week long running tours that we do each year and um and also started up doing uh, Wild Things Musters, the club runs, run by volunteers around the country. Because um, I just realized, I think I realized that the limitations of, of um, being online only and really wanting to have more face-to-face interaction again.
2: Yeah,
0: that's awesome. And I, I just, you know, having the both elements, I feel like that's the... That is really like the key to some, to building something really successfully. Eh? Like, yes, the online community is absolutely like, I feel like it's necessary as a part of mm. this, but, but then to have that in-person experience and to go out in the bush and kind of or on the trail and do what you really love with the people who you may or may not have met before. I mean, that just brings with it like a really special experience.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you, if you if you treated it purely as a business proposition, um, we've we've got wild things now to a point where it's, you know it's a sustainable business. We were I don't know if we've actually taken any any drawings from it because everything goes back into web development. But yeah. there's a there's a, there's a sustainable model there. But to me, I don't want to live my life behind a computer mm. having online conversations with people. Um, I don't want I don't want, I don't want my life to be purely built around that. I, I, I want to also have face to face interaction with these people who have a shared passion. So um yeah, I kind of realized that we we're in danger of, of becoming recluses behind our behind our laptop and basically providing lots of other people with the inspiration to get out and do cool things and meet up uh, and meet meet people. But not not have the benefit of it ourselves. So it was, for me, that it's uh, it's not a business imperative, but it is a, a personal imperative that we we have both sides. We have the online side, but there is some, there is personal interaction as well wherever possible.
0: Yeah, nice. Well, Mel, like you're not done and dusted yet though with regards to your ability to kind of get out and about and these ideas and potentially because you've got wild things to where it is at and a sustainable business, which of course you need to spend time on, but you can kind of, I think, probably turn your attentions to other projects, and this is where the wild comes Mm, in.
1: Yeah, the wild.
0: Tell me about the wild.
1: Wild. The wild. Uh, Wild is going to be epic. So the idea for the wild came about when we fast-packed the hard rock course over in Colorado uh, about two and a half years ago, um, with, with Frosty as our guide, which was pretty awesome doing it with a two times win over of, of of the race and it was such a wonderful wonderful experience and i came away from there going oh my god why hasn't new zealand got a race like this mm-hmm. you now we've got we've got mountains we've got the terrain uh people are really getting into the ultra um the ultra thing and doing longer and longer distances and looking for bigger and bigger challenges i mean we we need something like this in New Zealand. And I was like, no, no, but you're not a race organiser, miles don't do it, don't do it. So I told myself I wasn't going to do it because it's not my core competence. Um, and, but the idea just wouldn't go away, just would not go away. So lots and lots and lots of pouring over maps. Um, we came up with uh, a 100 mile course, which is yeah, the, the what I've always thought of as the hard rock of the Southern Hemisphere. Um, but knew that to actually have a chance of making this come to fruition, you also need shorter courses to bring in more people to help subsidise the cost of a 100-mile race. Um, so we're doing a 50-mile and a 20-mile as well. And it's been building now for two years. I mean, it's a good two years ago that I started pouring over maps and figuring out where we could go. And it's now it's now becoming real um, the best thing we did was to recognise that I am a dreamer and a schemer not a mm-hmm. not a race organiser um, so I've got the passion for putting together the course, I love the, the whole promotional side of it but when it comes to filling in forms <laughs> and <laughs> writing safety plans and getting concessions and organising volunteers and and that kind of thing, then I'm not your man. So we bought Infusion Events who do the Ultra N Z series.
2: Awesome. Um
1: they are gonna they are gonna work in partnership with us to to make it happen. Um so we've got you know their professionals and their systems to make sure that um a dream my dream can become uh, a reality.
0: So Mel, when does this take place?
1: It is December next year, December twenty twenty two. So we hopefully will be opening entries Uh, Well, it'll be this year sometime, hopefully hopefully middle of the year. Um, The the courses are all approved in in principle, um, but the paperwork's not all done. So until the concessions are all signed off fully, then we don't want to be in the position of taking anyone's money. We'll be pre-screening people who are interested because uh, where we're sending people is is pretty mean country. and it's not a place to go if you're not experienced in travelling through that kind of terrain. So we will be screening everybody that wants to take part, particularly in the 150-mile mm. events, because it's it's not your average not your average trail run.
0: Can you it's give us any not indication? Not your average ultra run. Yeah, any indication of kind of where it's going to be broadly, what it entails, for yeah, yeah, I, anything
1: I, like I, yeah that? it's all been. It's all been revealed after our after our five day trip over the course. Yeah,
2: tell us. Just
1: uh, last week, so we start and finish at Coronet Peak Ski Field. Oh. Uh, and we go. We do a mass on the hundred mile. It's a massive. But all three courses are are, are perfect loops. There's no nothing contrived about them. There's no and back. There's no loops within loops. They're just a a beautiful, clean journey through the mountains. Yeah. Uh, but the hundred mile goes deep into the back country, between Arrowtown and, and Wanaka. Uh, a lot of it is on the Mahu Fenua, uh, area, mm-hmm. which is a whole heap of high country station that was turned over into QE2 Conservation Trust by, by the owners. Um, and it is ridiculously wild, ridiculously beautiful country. So what else? We've got 11, over 11,000 meters of climb. Oh my goodness. <laughs> over 100 miles. But what? I think makes it tougher than anything is the nature of some of that climb. There's a lot of stuff where we leave the trail altogether mm. and you're just smashing through knee high tussock uh, up a forty five degree angle slope to, to make a ridge. Right. <laughs> um, so it's gonna be it's gonna be incredibly grueling. It's gonna be a very, very tough foot race. Yeah. So it'd be very interesting to see the kind of times that people can can do and just how many people can finish yeah, yeah. but yeah, you know, we we want it to be it is definitely achievable that's the nice thing um we weren't trying to do another revenant whereby we you know most people going no they haven't got hope in hell of finishing we yeah. want people to come feeling they got a chance for finishing and they have and i would expect i, I would hope that we get at least two-thirds of people finishing that's amazing. Uh, but there will, there, will, there will be a high attrition rate, you can be sure of that.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so you just did a fast pack. Did you take anyone else with you?
1: Yeah, I took a, a few people with me, Some took some friends, um, took Katie Wright with us uh, over for the first three days. Yeah. Katie used this one oh, two, she came two weeks after winning that, well, that fantastic Tarawira 100 milo Amazing. turned into a sprint finish with Fiona. Yeah. Um, and yeah, two weeks later she's, slogging it out in the hills, making it look easy with, with a big pack on her back. I don't know how she does it. I don't know how she does it. So, yeah, she came with us. Uh, we had we had, a, we had a, yeah, a nice little group of people went round.
0: That sounds awesome. I love doing stuff like that, just out in the bush, kind of doing what you love, but also with a view in mind of this exciting adventure kind of coming up and the fact that you're involved in like putting it together.
1: Yeah, so I'm, I said to... Um, I said to someone at at one point while we were going around during that five days, I realized that the beauty of what we were doing was that normally when I'm out doing something like that, it's very much about it being a personal challenge. It's like, I want to finish this. I've got to get to the end. And I don't think that thought once crossed my mind. The whole time I was thinking, oh, my God, this is something beautiful that we are creating for other people to come and do. So it wasn't yeah, it was a very, very different mindset to anything I've done before, where you know I suppose for so many years just been wrapped up in my challenge, personal challenge, gonna get there, gonna do it. And I've got to say it's a very refreshing change of mindset to be creating something purely for the enjoyment and the challenge of others, aside from my own my own goals, yeah.
0: That's awesome, Mel. And uh, is there an opportunity for you to go and do either the twenty, fifty, or the hundred miler? Is that going to be part of the game plan, or are you going to be too busy helping others with what they're doing?
1: I I quite like the idea of just being on course, yeah. Somewhere at, at some, I've got I've got a point in mind where I quite fancy being, um, and just yeah, being out there to give people encouragement. I think that's what I'll be doing during the race. I've variously said I would like to do the hundred mile myself in one go,
2: mm-hmm.
1: just to just to see how long it would take me. I have changed my mind on that several times. I'm currently thinking maybe I would.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <But> whether
1: <laughs> yeah. I do or not, whether I do or not, I don't know.
2: I'm certainly going to do the fifty mile, um, uh, just just <laughs> for kicks. Yeah. Um, but. Again, the hundred
1: mile, yeah, you know, I could I could get round it. Whether I could do it within the fifty hours that we're going to give people, that would be interesting to know. But I'd, again, I'd just be worried about the toll on my on my on my health if I if I did have to push myself ridiculously hard to get through there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, one thing's for certain: I'm not going to be lining up on that hundred mile start line <laughs> at all. The idea of fast backing sounds. Fabulous, so that might be. Yeah,
1: well, we might have to do some fast backing trips over the course. Yeah, uh, that's, that's always an option. Yeah, a yeah. bit of a course reaching yeah. for
0: people who are interested.
1: Yeah, lovely. Well, we're, th- we're think- certainly thinking we'd like to do some um, some sort of familiarisation
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, training training camp. Yeah. Um, probably based out of Arrowtown. Oh, um, amazing. Very cool trail running
0: bases with both of Yes, absolutely love Aratan, which was the last time I saw you in person when we bumped on bumped into you on the way back down from a bit of a loop yeah. that we were doing. Had a beer at the Falcon Tap.
1: We 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 were on course at that point, Nikki.
0: Oh, how fabulous, Mal. <laughs> hey, thanks so much for taking time out of your Sunday to chat to me. Like I, as I say, like I really wanted to kind of just have a bit of a yarn about you know what you've done, what you're up to and all things kind of trail running, where can people find you?
1: Where can people find me? Usually in the pub. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So obviously there's Wild Things. Uh, You're a regular yeah. on there, but otherwise?
1: Uh, wild, wildthings.club um, is is the website. If you want to email me, uh, mal at wildthings.club. Uh, I'm on Instagram as Mal's Adventures. Yes. And um on facebook as mal law adventurer fundraiser storyteller
0: that's awesome and particularly i mean i knew obviously you're an adventurer and a fundraiser and you've really kind of highlighted the storyteller side of you this afternoon which is always a pleasure <laughs> i absolutely love it i love what you do now so um thank you thank you for your inspiration it's amazing
1: oh thank you for um, thank you for flattering me um Uh, in that way and thank you for the chat always lovely to talk Nikki
0: okay guys hope you really enjoyed that you can see that Mel's just totally in his element when he's talking about running and community and that kind of thing and you can just see how he's managed to create this sort of lifestyle for himself, and in, in addition to being able to give back to the running community, which I absolutely love. And what I will mention is that right now, you do have the opportunity to join Mel in the Top of the South Island Tour 2021. So this is held from November 14th to the 21st, and it takes place around Marlborough Sounds, Nelson Lakes, Kahurangi and Abel Tasman. And this is six days of running and awesomeness at the top of the South Island. And it is guided by Mel and his wife Sally with full support from their partners at Adventure South New Zealand. It is limited to 12 people and it is bound to sell out. So I highly recommend it for anyone who has a bit of running in their summer calendar who wants to get a bit of a jump start on some base training or you're just sort of already well oiled and you just want to get out there and run go join mel and sally and the team for part of the top of the south island tour as i said you can find anything about mel over on wild things on facebook or at mel's adventures over on instagram next week on the podcast i'm delighted to bring to you my conversation with my really good friend lara bryden who is the author of The Hormone Repair Manual, her new book that was out in February of this year, uh, which is a follow on from her first bestseller, The Period Repair Manual. Lara is the guru when it comes to hormones and health and you do not want to miss this. Until then though, you can find me on Facebook at Mickey Willardin Nutrition, over on Twitter and Instagram at Mickey Willardin, or on my website, MickeyWillardon.com, where you can sign up for my weekly email that I share information about what I'm thinking about and the research that I've been reading, or sign up to one of my meal plans the Keto Longevity Plan, the Athlete Nutrition Plan, or just a, a real food plan or one of my fat Boss plans. You can do that over on the website and you get a 28 day shopping list, you get access to my members only forum and you get the ability to ask me any question any time of the day around nutrition through our online platform messaging system so I can support you in your nutrition journey. Or, hey, book a consultation. There might be some things that you need to figure out which you haven't quite gotten to the bottom of that I'll be able to help you with. Anyway team, until next week, I hope you have a really great week and I'll see you later.